another Women's Champions League episode. Apologies for this taking much longer than we expected. I think, I feel like we've been teasing everyone for a really, really long time and we haven't done that on purpose. Um, but we're here now. We're here to do it. And I'm your host, Alexi Baceta. Obviously, as always, it's been like 30 episodes now that I've been saying this back to back. Maybe we should find something new. I feel like I've said that a lot also. But I'm, of course, with Abdul Abdullah and Jesse Parker Humphreys. Jesse, <clears throat> are, are, are you okay? Um, I feel like I'm, time is a healer, but it is healing me slowly right now, it feels. Um, but I haven't cried about it today, so there's improvement every day. But maybe that won't be the case by the end of this episode. I'm sorry if we trigger anything and cause you to go into depression for the rest of the day. Zulat, <laughs> are you doing a little bit better than Jesse is? Everything is good. Leon went through. Chelsea went out. Unfortunate. What, what can we do? But Leon went through, so I'm happy. You know, I and, have a and disadvantage the... over you two guys. Can I just say, because both of you two support two teams in the Champions League. <laughs> so this is just not fair for me. I mean, I mean, Get okay, listen it, to yeah, but you you have Hoffenheim. To be fair, you to be fair yeah, Hoffenheim exactly. went out you as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's not our fault that both your teams went out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got two teams as well. It's just that, you know, they both went. But, you know, it, things happen. Everything's good. Um, you know, I think I think we're good. I'm, I'm excited for, you know, the next stage of the Champions League. It just sucks that it's in March and we are in December and we have to wait so long. But I think overall, I think we saw some... Some teams come up. As always, I thought we saw some amazing performances and I think some surprises along the way. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm afraid that, Jesse, I think you're definitely going to cry after this episode if this is how we started. <laughs> also, 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 I get, I still get to be part of the Box to Box Derby eventually. Some, at some point, I'm going to have to get in on this because Leon have to play one of the teams. At least one of your Alex teams. It's going to be you versus me at some point. It has to be. Probably. That's, it's probably not so. going to be Arsenal, so let's leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> but just to, just to summarize the first ever group stages, um, They've come to a close now, and I think we can all agree that it was a good idea to introduce this in the Women's Champions League. Um, mostly what we expected, except for one group and one team, and a couple of results here and there as well. But basically, from Group A, Wolfsburg and Juventus have qualified. From Group B, PSG and Real Madrid. Group C, Barcelona and Arsenal. And from Group D, Lyon and Bayern Munich. So... Yeah, except for Group A, it's kind of, I think, what we expected um, from that one preview episode that we did. Uh, but how we'll do this episode in particular is that we'll go group by group and discuss what went down in each, and we'll finish with a brief quarterfinal preview. Um, just a, a just kind of first reactions to what we think of the draw, what we think is going to happen. Obviously, we'll have an actual preview episode in March, hopefully with a few more voices as well. Um, and obviously quarterfinals will take place in March. So we have to find something to do for the next three months, basically. But let's get into it and start with Group A. Jesse, I'm sorry, but it's just Group A. So it's the first one that we have to do. I apologize. It's not on purpose. Um, but Wolfsburg and Juventus and Chelsea all finished level with 11 
points apiece. Um, but it was Chelsea that was left out of the quarterfinals. And the main reason was it was because of the rules, the group, the rules in the Women's Champions League group stage is a bit bizarre. I wouldn't say bizarre, yes, but it's just not the normal kind of, because obviously the normal usually is when you're tied in points, you see the group, um, the goal difference for each team. But in this Women's Champions League um, group stage, it's the head-to-head record. So obviously when Wolfsburg beat Chelsea 4-0 in the final um, game, that was a big advantage because they had tied the first game. So I'm not going to go into details because I don't, I'm not even sure how it works, but point is Chelsea were kicked out and that's that. And I will happily, happily make a little dig at Emma Hayes. Um, after that Chelsea draw, no, no to Juventus. It was in the post-match um, interview she did for, for the zone, she said that she was exactly where they wanted to be, in the position that they were, top of the group, um, in a position where all they needed was a draw against Wolfsburg. And <clears throat> how'd that go for Emma Hayes? I'd love to know. Obviously, she didn't have much to say after the, the game either, so don't really know how she feels about it. But don't you just love when things backfire like that? Um, but of course, we all know that this is actually down to the fact that Chelsea haven't won since Hayes purred in the FA Cup final press conference. So that's what it's obviously down to. I'm surprised she hasn't blamed it on that either. But Jesse, let's let's start with the questions. How would you summarize Chelsea's performances in this group stage? I think flat is really the only way I could describe it. It felt like looking at all of the games. There were probably only two where I felt we played really well. The the game where we obviously blew Savet away um, and the 2-1 win over Juve, which I think was a really good result away. Um, but then kind of on top of that, it kind of just got almost progressively worse. Uh, the 3-3 against Wolfsburg was obviously awful. That We really laboured to a 1-0 against Savet and the 0-0 with Juve and then obviously just capitulating to... To Wolfsburg, and it, it's tricky because it it does feel like it was a capitulation. Um, I don't really understand what Hayes was trying to do because, you know, if you go into a game knowing you can actually lose by one goal, I just think you can. And Chelsea are such a good counter-attacking team. It just seems so weird to me that it, it felt like we were set up to try and do something totally unnecessary you know we could have just been a lot you know sat back a lot easier and not just left ourselves in positions where you know Wolfsburg were able to have kind of these one-on-ones and loads of space to run into and then obviously of course by the time you're two nil down at half time you've got to come out and go go for it you know and I think those the goals conceded in the second half I mean one of them is just awful defending obviously Magda Eriksson also had to go off so that that didn't help um, but yeah, it's kind of natural when you're trying to push up. But look, I think this was clearly the hardest group, I think, except for maybe the Arsenal, Barca, Hoffenheim one um, in terms of the quality of the three teams within it. Um, but that being said, there's really no reason why Chelsea shouldn't have qualified from it. They really just... Uh, made a rod for their own backs ultimately and and it's really frustrating and disappointing and, and it's hard not to feel like in some ways the season is kind of done. So basically they shot themselves. 
Literally, apparently. <laughs> um, a quick one to add to there before we I ask you, Abdullah, a question. Jesse, what do you think of the first half substitution of Ingle and G? Uh, again, yeah, it didn't... I mean, I thought as soon as G came on, we did look so much more creative. Um, and again, I think we were in a position where at that point we had to score. So I can understand why there was no reason to kind of waste any any time but again what I didn't it was more what I didn't understand was was why it almost looked like we were playing a back four with Magda at left back and then having Sophie Ingle dropping in almost to create a three as well it just it, it felt like the defense was so easily isolated when it could have just been like a lot more compacter but, you know, to be fair, I thought we it, we seemed like a totally different team when G came on the pitch um, compared to Ingle. So I don't, I don't think it was a bad substitution. I think it, it was less about... This was less about the personnel on the pitch, though, and more about where and how they were playing. Yeah, that's fair. I watched this game with my dad, and he's probably the hardest person to get a compliment out of. And we constantly have fights from this. Like I'll show him videos of Alexia and he'll say everything else that went wrong on the opposition team or something. And he'll never say a compliment. But when G came on, this man was fascinated. And I was like, okay, then. So that's, that's a big compliment to G. He's probably, yeah, he's literally the worst person to get a compliment out of. But Abdullah, could Chelsea have done anything differently? Obviously, yes. But what could they have done differently mainly? <laughs> So obviously yes, because then they could have gotten through and not lost the lost the game four 0 But I think if I'm referencing specifically this last game, because I I mean obviously they beat Servette twice. Obviously expected they did it. They beat Juve away. Really good game. At the end of the day, it was a tough game, but they got through. They won it. I think that was that was still on merit. Um, I think the Wolfsburg 3-3 has come back to haunt them badly. That that last minute, you know, equalizes. It is, I mean, now you look back at it, it's, you know, it was it was avoidable. So, you know, you don't give away that that chance. You, you've got an extra two points and you don't even have to worry about this last game against Wolfsburg. Uh, but I think in this last game specifically, I think it's it comes down to the fact of why did Emma Hayes try and do something different that that wasn't needed? Like, like to kind of I completely agree with what Jesse was saying. She, they didn't need to do anything extravagantly different. It's not like they had to go out there and win the game at all costs. It wasn't like the Hoffenheim game where they needed to win by four goals. Then I kind of understand if you're trying something different to try and get the you know get more goals to get the best out of your players to to be able to you know win the game by high scoreline. But if Chelsea had just played out a nil nil, that's it. That's all they needed. They just didn't need to lose by two goals, right? And I think. The whole change in it, not to mention, I think this is a huge factor. No Anne Katrenberg at the back, and you're asking Musevich to, first of all, come into a crunch game, right? It, it, obviously, in hindsight, it's a crunch game. Second, you're asking it then to control the defense that, A, she's obviously played it within training, but at the same time, now you're asking it to, to position and control a back four almost when she would have probably been used to playing in a back three in previous games and in training. So I think that is also a little bit of a, you know, would throw her off because since she has to focus on keeping what's going on in front of her, moving people around, understanding, okay, this is what we have to do in training with the back four, you know, to an extent. So, and then with Sophie Ingle dropping in, you have like maybe five at a time. So it just kind of very felt very like weird and disjointed. So I think, 
I mean, if anything had to change, I'd say go back to your tried and tested 3-4-3 and just play the way you've been playing or even play the 3-4-3, but play like you've been playing in the other big games. Sit back, soak up the pressure, and then go. Not, not have to you know, do all these weird things. That's probably just me. I think that's, yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think if you look at Chelsea, um, and it was, it happened to a lot of teams, I think, but particularly this one, yeah, I think it's just a bit odd when teams don't play how they usually play and it's not completely necessary to play any differently, knowing that, especially with a team like Chelsea, you know, whether they're attacking or defending, they're going to be a really good team and hard to beat and they're going to score goals probably. But I don't know what happened. Clearly something... I, I, the game plan just wasn't right, obviously. But looking at Wolfsburg now, um, obviously they beat Chelsea. Um, uh, an okay group stage, I think, for them. Obviously, they lost to Juventus. That was big. Um, and then obviously tied with Chelsea. It was, you know, defensive errors that gave them the win, uh, the draw over Chelsea. But still, I think they finished their chances. And of course, they have the Champions League highest goal scorer at the moment. Uh, Tabea Wasmuth, who has eight goals in six matches so far. I personally am really impressed with her. Um, debut Champions League season. She's, I mean, she's she's just scoring goals for fun. Yes, you know, some of them have come a bit easy, but she's she's like an, she's not like an Ada Hegeberg, but when you look at like a player like Ada Hegeberg, she's not going to be doing all these fancy things. The thing about Ada is that she makes the runs, she's in the right place at the right time and all she does is score goals um obviously that's very brief no one get mad at me please Ada Hegerberg is a really really good player that can do everything but Jesse has Wesworth shocked you um and of course how are Wolfsburg playing the Champions League right now I don't think Wesworth has shocked me because I think she's a really really good player and I think this kind of move has been a long time coming for her I think what's been really impressive with her specifically in a Wolfsburg Sure is how efficient she's been, Um, you know, especially in that 3-3. You know, as, as you kind of said, they obviously came, from, those goals came from defensive errors, but none of them were particularly easy to score. And she was really like putting them away as if they were like tap-ins. So I think that's obviously been super important to Wolfsburg. As a team, Um, I can't figure out Wolfsburg at all because... They seem to either be brilliant or rubbish and they don't really seem to have like an in-between. Like I definitely feel in the loss to Juve and uh, even in the 3-3 with Chelsea, um, they they really didn't have much going for them. And then obviously in the, the 4-0 against Chelsea, like Chelsea were rubbish, but Wolfsburg played really well um, too. So I think the thing that worries me about Wolfsburg is they do have this real tendency to kind of switch off and concede goals late on. And I would worry for them in kind of these two-legged fixtures that they've got coming up. Obviously, they've drawn Arsenal, um, which I think is going to be a really interesting matchup because I think they're two very similar quality teams. Obviously, the good thing Wolfsburg have is Alex Pop will be coming back, um, which will obviously be like a huge uh, benefit for them as a side. But yeah, I mean, obviously, it's um, Tommy Stroop's kind of first season in charge. I think Patchy is is the words I, I describe them as so far. I think that's fair. And I think it's fair to say that for Arsenal as well. They're just two teams very consistently. And 
it's really hard to actually call it because it's literally all about how they show up on the day. Um, I do have to say that I have been impressed with Joe Ward at Wolfsburg. Um, the style play suits her a lot better than I did at Arsenal. Um, I can't really put my finger on it as to why. Obviously, the, the game in Germany is a bit less technical than it is to Arsenal, kind of. Um, but it's very, it's just, I don't know how to explain it. It's just like, there's a, a, a word in Spanish that's like brusco. It's just like very like, I can't explain it. Anyway, Joe Ward is doing well at Wolfsburg and I've been a little bit impressed with that. Um, but a big up to Mr. Joe Montemuro, uh, who managed a win over Wolfsburg in a draw with Chelsea. Um, obviously his first season in charge with Juventus. Abdullah, how impressed have you been with this Juventus side? Honestly, really impressed. Like after like watching them, when I first watched them against uh, Chelsea in that in that Chelsea two one win, I felt like that in itself was a was a very very good game. I, I thought that they 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 made a good account for themselves. Yes, Chelsea won it, but I felt like their whole team from the defense to midfield and the forward line. I think it. I think it just they've really stepped up a gear this season since he's come in. I think he's his tactical style and setup just seems to suit Juventus more than it did at Arsenal, at least towards the last season. And it feels like he's got the players who are implementing his his way of playing a lot better. And obviously it's still early was still early early doors at the time. It's the first couple of months in, but the fact that they managed to get a good win over Wolfsburg. They got that draw against Chelsea and they could have very easily have, you know, maybe a little bit better defending and moving around. I think they would have really gotten that draw against Chelsea as well when, when Chelsea won 2 1. I mean, so it was, I mean, it wasn't totally out of the equation. So, and I think he's done a really good, a really good, uh, really good job. And I think you really look at this team, they've got some pretty decent names around that can, they can really build across of. I mean, you've got um, Girelli and Bonancea, who are two fantastic forward players. Lena Hertig's a very, very good striker. In midfield, Sophie Jung Pedersen is actually one of the most underrated central midfielders, in my opinion, like out there. Like she's just, she just quietly does her work in midfield and nobody really notices, but that just means that she's doing her job even better. And then at the back, Sarah Gama and then, you know, a few of the others are, are, aren't too bad as well. And obviously, ex-Arsenal uh, Peyrod Magnin. I don't even know if I've said that properly. But, you know, she's been really, really good bet- between the sticks and, and, and you know, it's proving a point that she's, she's worth it out there in Europe. So I think this team has got, um, you know, this team has got it. And I think they, they're going to they're gonna test uh, they're gonna test teams in the future in the Champions League and in the, in the, in the knockout stages and even in next season. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited with this team. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I, I write Lena Hudig a lot, but she reminds me a lot of um, Asisa Oshwala. They're both like top, top strikers, but they're the type of strikers that will miss sitters and score literally the most impossible goals. And it just absolutely makes no sense. And it's so frustrating to watch. But I do, before we close on this group, I do want to shout out Servet because it was their debut season in the Champions League. And not only that, but they're a part-time team from Switzerland. Um, so, you know, these players are going up against the likes of Chelsea and they did lose, but they did manage to hold off um, 1-0. I do applaud them. Um, and they actually had the best kind of attitude um, before the Chelsea game. Uh, they asked the Servet manager how he was planning to stop Chelsea. And he basically just said, put 11, put 11 in the goal. Um, and he just joked about that. He's like, obviously, I can't do that. But if I could, I would. Um, so it was really impressive to see them. And yeah, just, just a shout out to them. Um, but now we'll move on to Group B. Jesse, it's fine. You can breathe. We're done. Um, group B, uh, PSG finished top of the group with a perfect group stage. 18 points from 18 points. 
25 goals scored and none conceded. Um, Real Madrid finished in second, winning both their matches against Kharkiv and Breidablik, while, of course, losing to PSG. So quite, I am impressed with PSG. I knew that, I know that obviously they're good, but that good to, to not concede anything. Um, I am quite impressed with it, especially after losing Irene uh, Paredes last season. That was kind of their a big anchor in, in their defense. But Jesse, was PSG a team that perhaps overperformed or is this more or less where you saw PSG continuing after the season that they had last season? PSG are a team I'm finding really hard to judge just because I feel like this is about what I expected for them in this group, given Real Madrid's general level being not as high as I think most of us thought it was. Um, That being said, you know, we've still seen teams like slip up uh, against, you know, lesser sides, you know, thinking about Bayern and Benfica and yeah, Chelsea struggling to get past Savet. So it is like, they they basically breeze through it, um, but and obviously that there's all the stuff off the pitch which they've you know they've kind of had to struggle with as well. So, um, but in terms of what their actual level is now, given those departures from last season, I I really can't figure it out. And I think it will be very interesting, you know, to see what they look like in in the quarterfinals. Obviously, in the league, Leon absolutely kind of ripped them apart. Um, but again, that was right around all the off-field stuff. So it's hard to kind of know where all of their heads heads were around that. So, um, look, they've obviously held on to their high-quality attack. And I think ultimately when you've got those kind of players, Katoto, Diani, Baltimore, playing up front, you're always going to cause teams problems because they're so, so good. I think it will just be a case for how strong their defence actually is. But I don't think this group was ever really going to put it under too much strain. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair to summarise it like that. Yeah, I can't really put my finger on what I expected from PSG, kind of. I thought I did expect kind of a downfall in the league just because of all the players that they lost last season. But they've impressed me a bit, maybe perhaps, of how good their attack has been. I mean, we know that, obviously, Diani Gatoto Baltimore one of the favorites to the pod, as always. Um, we know the quality of them, but it's, of course, always about the players behind them and, and how much service they're actually going to get. Um, but, Abdullah, what have you liked most about this PSG side? I mean, if I can't give the answer of the front three, I will probably go and say that I, I've been impressed with the with the fullbacks. I think they've been I've been pretty good. I mean, Ashley Lawrence obviously up there as you know one of the best uh, you know right backs in 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 the world, uh, and I think she's been she's continued her form. I think while everything else has moved around her, I think she's really come up and continued you know injecting creativity and 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 consistency in this PSG side when you know maybe sometimes there isn't. Um, Sakina Karchawi has done better. Than than I thought she would do at left back after coming from Leon and that weirdly that looked like a swap deal with Pearl Moroni going the other way. So I think the fullbacks have been really attacking and I think they've been really good. I think Amanda Ilstedt at centre-back I think has been a good pickup. Um, so I think these new pieces that have come in have kind of fitted in well and I think they've kind of gone with this new, new look PSG side that has kind of all you know, contributed to probably, like we said, like not sure what to expect, but in this group, you know, I think they they did what they were supposed to do. Um, 
and you know it's it's i think the next the group stages is going to be the real test uh, or you know i i don't exactly remember this so I, you know don't call me but i don't know if they play leon again before the next uh, uh, before the knockout stages or after but if it is before then that'll probably be their next big big test before they go into these knockout stages or vice versa i will say one thing i think it's i think shout out to some of the young players at psg i think lia khalifi and uh, you know Ali Khalifi and Jordan Hiram obviously scored a hat trick in one of the games. Khalifi came on and scored a few important goals uh, and got some good games. And Celine Bizet Ilhusoy has come in, you know, really uh, came in with a big reputation behind her. And kind of shout out to Luana. I mean, she's come back after a huge absence with a long term injury, and I think she's she's going to be a very very important player when she gets back up to speed. You know, being that defensive midfielder in there and in, in between. So I think they've got they've got the makings of a of a pretty good team. They just need to keep this. This new core together and get them to play and figure out their best team, and then and then kind of and kind of go from there. But I think yeah, I think bigger tests to come. But you know we'll see how it goes. And looking at the the kind of the other side, Real Madrid have had it tough in the league, though they are improving, um, but have been decently solid in the group stage and have been in the women's Champions League in general so far. But Jesse, what can you say about Real Madrid? Yeah, I mean, I think. Real Madrid is so weird. Like, I'm not going to pretend I watch loads of um, Spanish league football. So, but I think we all, well, I at least had maybe a slightly inflated perception of them because they knocked City out. Um, but obviously, we kind of know that City are also crap this season. And it turns out Real Madrid aren't necessarily amazing either. Uh, and I think, like, Kharkiv and Bride Blick were always going to be much lesser opponents than Real Madrid. And then they basically got trounced in both the games by PSG or like PSG won comfortably, um, even if they didn't necessarily score loads and loads in the second second game they played. Um, look, Barcelona are going to beat them. That's it. Like if Real Madrid were in another group, I don't think they'd have, I don't think they'd have gone through, um, put it that way. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, obviously, yeah, Real Madrid have scored the same amount of goals as Juventus, one less than Chelsea and two less than Arsenal. Obviously, most of it down to being in the fact that they're, they played against um, probably, apart from Sevet, I think that's probably the weakest um, teams that were in this group stage. But Abdullah, are Real Madrid set to keep climbing and improving in Europe? Do you see that happening? Yeah, I mean, on, on current evidence, it looks like they uh, they probably will just get better and better. I think once they get more experience and I think once they get into the summer, they, you know, they've been linked with some good players. And I think, I mean, obviously they 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 lost their, well, they fired their coach, David Asna, and then they brought in, they, they brought in someone new. Now, he's obviously an unknown quantity, so we don't know how he's going to, how he's going to do in the long run. Who knows? Maybe there's another switch in the summer, but assuming he's going to be there, I think I think we're really going to see Real Madrid come of age probably next summer. Sorry, next next season, just because then they can dip into the transfer market a little bit more. This this core squad, that young squad, can finally get a season under the belt together, get that European experience, and then kind of go from there. Obviously, the inconsistencies in the league are you know are an issue. But um, it's kind of it's kind of surprising how well they've done in the, in, in the European stage, and probably Barcelona will be the end of the road for them. I think it's, it's we can all pretty much say that. So, but I'm excited. I think this this Real Madrid side have really shown that they are they do belong in Europe. I mean, I think I, I, let's I think we can all say that Man City was their biggest scalp, 
And I think that that alone is enough to say, right, you know what, you you beat them, you've qualified second in this group, and you did it, you know, with a healthy margin of points. And I think that's probably the best case scenario for Real Madrid in terms of their achievements and their goals for their Champions League season. So they can take they can take heart from this and then, you know, you know, put a good account for themselves against Barcelona. Yeah, I think that's fair. And going off of that, we'll move on to Group C. Barcelona, 18 points. Arsenal, 9 points. Hoffenheim, 9 points. Uh, Kurt, 0 points. Um, probably the most predictable group leader of all, potentially. Um, they Barcelona scored 24 goals while only conceding one. And the Barcelona game just finished. Um, they just won Madrid CFF uh, 7-0 in the league, which means that they now have in the calendar year of 2021, they have scored 256 goals. That's that's ridiculously stupid. Um, they've won 54, drawn two, lost two in the entirety of the calendar year. Um, I, I I mean, how does that even make sense? It doesn't matter. But Freedom Adams' goal versus Barcelona is obviously the only goal that they conceded. Um, of course, came from Tobin Heath. That's the answer to, to Arsenal's problems. Um, but yeah, Arsenal came through with a bit of a shock and a scare in the closing match against Hoffenheim, uh, where the Germans needed, they came out 4-1 winners, but they did need to, to win by five goals to qualify over Arsenal. Um, they came out very determined. Um, obviously, the goals came from a very, very sloppy defensive mistakes. But I mean, some of the finishing was really, really good. There, there's no taking away from anything. But Jesse... Let's talk about Arsenal. I know it's your favorite topic to talk about. We'll go into Hoffenheim a little bit later. Um, but obviously, they lost to Barcelona twice, um, 8-1 on aggregate. Did you see, maybe you'll have, from an outside perspective, maybe you have a bit more positive answers than I do. But did you see anything positive from these matches? Not really, no. I think maybe in the second game, they felt a bit better prepared for it. Um, but ultimately their own mistakes kind of let them down. And I think they felt like once they'd gone one goal down, it was almost like there was no sense of coming back anyway. Um, I think what will disappoint Arsenal in, in both those games was, was how little they were able to play against Barcelona. I think, you know, thinking about how... Chelsea and City have played against Barcelona last season. It really surprised me how little Arsenal were able to do going forward. Um, I think, you know, both Chelsea and City had their moments, even when they were on the way to losing and losing by, you know, in Chelsea's case, a large margin. Whereas I think what would concern me for Arsenal was that they were, almost had to focus so much on defending. There was really not much going forward for them at all in those games. And then they weren't even actually that good at defending. So I think that kind of balance is is a tricky one to figure out. And, and you know, it's, it's hard for a team like Arsenal because they're not used to just sitting back and defending, which is kind of why I was surprised by it. I just wonder if, you know, after the first game, there was a mentality of deference a bit more whereas I actually wonder if they'd have been better kind of putting that to side and trying to be a bit more arrogant and and go for it because I mean the the Hoffenheim game obviously like put a bit of complexity on it but 
it was kind of a free hit, those games for them. And I think that's what was disappointing, especially about the game at the Emirates. Obviously, you know, they were coming off the back of that FA Cup loss, but it was just how timid it felt. And I think that timidity that's kind of crept into Arsenal's play over the past couple of weeks is something that Idaval will really need to have swept aside before they get to the Champions League quarterfinals. Because I just think all of these teams at this point in the competition will kind of smell that nervousness and and punish you for it if if it's there. Yeah, it's I definitely agree, especially with the the point of how little Arsenal did against Barcelona. Um, I mean, they barely got on the attack. Uh, you know, obviously in the second match, the only big big chance that I remember was the one that Beth Mead choked on. Um, but you know, they didn't get any clear chances on goal. There wasn't anything for anyone really. Once it got to the midfield, kind of Barcelona got everything and, and it kind of just died there. Um, but obviously against Hoffenheim, it was just, it was just really, really, it, I think it was just concentration, lack of concentration. And, and I think Arsenal came into that game a little bit too comfortable perhaps. Um, but Abdullah, going on to, to Barcelona, have you seen any weaknesses at all? Honestly, no. I think, I think just, I just don't think they've been tested yet. I think that's that's I think that's the bottom line of this thing. We even if they have weaknesses, we just haven't seen them yet because we've they've not really been tested to to a level where you can say, oh, you know what, that's uh, even though Barcelona won, that was a tough game for them. You know, we I I I realistically don't think we've had that sort of conversation yet with Barcelona, and I don't think we'll get that until probably the semi final or the final in, in in this case, you know, against whoever they end up playing. Um, you know, because I think. I, I, you know, there are possibly other teams. I think maybe a Leon or someone could could cause them problems. I'm not saying they'd win, but I think they'd cause them problems with the team that they have and the setup that they have going on right now. But even then, even if you look at, you know, you you know, on paper you'd look, oh, we're all for that left back. Is that is that you know that there's a there's a potential big weakness. But then you look at the way that they're set up and you look at the way that they're playing. And Alex, we were talking about this just you know earlier today. It's like the whole team is set up that every player is. Is is just going to thrive. It's the way they play, the way they have the ball, the fact that they're such a possession-based heavy team that you can afford to play a left winger striker at left back. And that left back is basically your left winger because your left winger is in center midfield and your center midfield is in as a number 10. And you know, this whole movement of players and the way the system works is so fine-tuned that I don't I feel like unless someone's going to break that pattern and figure out how to, you know, someone has to figure out how to, you know, find a way through. And yes, potentially you're gonna look at the fullbacks and say, that's probably where I'm gonna get the most joy. But I just feel like no one's got, no one's had the quality, no one's had the, the the ability to be able to 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 maybe look at that a little bit more, or probably get in behind or do any of that those things. So I think so. In short, no, I don't see any weaknesses. Just just because I don't think they've been tested yet. Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say, and it's going to be hard to kind of find. It's going to be interesting to see kind of the team not more or less a team. I think it's just a style of play. The thing with European football, we've seen in the men's and the women's, wherever we go, the interesting part about this competition is not, you know, it's about the different styles of play going up against each other. And sometimes you see the surprise results and everything. So I am going to see kind of what hurts Barcelona eventually, because it will happen eventually. But Hoffenheim is not to be underestimated, um, as Arsenal have definitely learned, though they are out of, the Champions League, of course, I would recommend to keep watching them in the Bundesliga. 
Um, they are title contenders in that right now with Wolfsburg and Bayern Munich. Um, so I would definitely recommend to do sometimes if you follow one of us on Twitter, we'll post out links. Sometimes it is free on YouTube um, or just like random links that are really easy to watch. But Jesse, I know this is your second team and they are out as well. Um, but a bit more to talk about Joel Brand. I think she's definitely made a, a name for herself in this competition so far. But Hoffenheim, Joel Brand, everyone else wants to look out for next season. Yeah, I think I've been really impressed by Hoffenheim in this Champions League run. Um, you know, they they lost some good long-serving players last season as as kind of has happened to them in the past. You know, it's easy for Bayern and Wolfsburg to pick up their best players, but they actually like have gone from strength to strength still. Um Eula Brand, yeah, she's obviously been she's she's just so good and she looks so composed in that Arsenal game. But um I also really want to shout out Gia Corley, who's kind of like come into the the Hoffenheim team a lot more over over this group stage and you know she was really decisive in that Arsenal game as well um really exciting player um was a Bayern youth prospect but kind of turned down a contract with them to, to join Hoffenheim and um I think obviously looking for that first team playing time and, and it's really benefited her and and them um so yeah they're just they're a great side to watch they're they're a funny one when um, Alex and I watched uh, the, the home match against Arsenal they they do kind of have this strange habit of having really good build-up play from the back but it just stops at the halfway line um, I think you know they were able to do so well against Arsenal because they suddenly got the ball around the edge of the penalty area because Arsenal were giving it away so much and they were like oh my gosh wow we don't normally plan this far ahead um, but yeah uh, they don't always have as many ideas going forward they they rely a lot on Eula Brand's pace I think but um, yeah they just they're a great incubator for for young talent as well. Um, they, they've actually really, uh, Paulina Crumbeagle, who I think is as good as, as Eula Brand, um, kind of similar age, a couple of years older, but she did her ACL. And, and so she's been out the season as well. So they're just like stock full of these ridiculously talented German youngsters. And I'm really excited to see what they do with the, the rest of their season. It's also worth noting that, kind of Wolfsburg and um, Bayern do get a lot of players from Hoffenheim. So that's that's a lot to say about kind of how they, I mean, the young players that they have are ridiculous and the way they progress in the Hoffenheim style of play is actually really interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, Abdullah, you, you kind of mentioned it before, but if you were to take a guess right now from the teams that are in the quarterfinal stages now, who could potentially be the one to stop Barcelona? You know, it's tough, but uh, I'd put it down to Bayern or Leon right now. I think they're probably the next best sides in the competition that could potentially cause um, Barcelona some issues, mainly because I feel like they're the two most solid and consistent teams um, there right now. Uh, I think we saw in the group stages between them, they, they each won one game each against each other. But, you know, you... Wolfsburg have the capability of producing fantastic performances, you know, but then we've also seen them lose games. They didn't, Arsenal haven't been, uh, Arsenal haven't been really as consistent. Obviously we've seen that Real Madrid, Real Madrid. So, and PSG unknown quantity, we've already talked about it. We don't know whether they're going to be able to sustain this against the bigger sides, though they've looked pretty good and, you know, they kind of did what they had to do. So I, I think for me, it comes down to Lyon or Bayern. I think one of those teams with the players that they have, the experience that they have, 
um, I, I think they could potentially cause some problems. And I, and I feel like their, their head coaches have the tactical nous to an extent along with the squad to possibly be able to come up with a game plan that could that could stop Barcelona, you know, and they've got some big big game players. So, yeah, I'd, I'd probably put it down to those two. Jesse, same question for you. If you were to have just a quick guess, who could be the ones to stop Barcelona? Um, I mean, really, I don't think anyone can. I think they're nailed on to win. Oh, look at Alex's big grin when I said that. Um, I think if it was going to be any side looking at who's in the quarterfinals I would probably say Leon. you know I think they still will have maybe a bit of a psychological hold from from that previous Champions League final and I think they have the biggest depth within their squad to to not only resist Barcelona's attack but I think maybe make them think more about defending because you know as I said like that's what I thought was disappointing about Arsenal I do feel like the way to go about beating this Barcelona team is you've really got to try and put them on the back foot because you can't, you're not going to hold out against them for, for 90, 120 minutes, whatever it is in, in these kind of like knockout games. Um, and I just think Leon's attacking talent, especially with kind of the return of, of Hegerberg is, is so potent. It, it will force Barcelona to think maybe slightly differently about the way they play. If, if the two of them meet. Yeah, I think that is really fair to say. I think it will be a really interesting match uh, between Lyon and Barcelona, tactically, mostly because of the way they play, um, but also because I think Lyon are a very attacking team, I think more than a lot of teams that are left in the Champions League. Um, and obviously, the thing with Barcelona is that the biggest aspect of their game is that they always want to have the ball. Um, and then when you play it against a team like Lyon, who all they want to do is attack, obviously they need the ball for that. So I think it's just going to be a high, it would be a high energy game for Lyon. Um, and it would just be interesting to see how Barcelona kind of react and keep up with all the attacking power that they have. Um, but we'll get on to Lyon now, Group D, last one. Um, Lyon finished with 15 points, Bayern 13, Benfica 4, Hacken 3. A tasty matchup with Bayern and Lyon in this group. Um, Leon just edged to go top because Bayern dropped points against Benfica in a draw. Um, but they each won a game against each other. And obviously, uh, Saki Kumagai scoring the winning goal against Leon. What a story. Um, but Jesse, was that Bayern win against Leon maybe perhaps a bit unexpected? Yeah, I mean, I think with Bayern, I feel like there is the they have the quality of players to play really well and and kind of test the best but those players don't necessarily feel like that level or an age yet where you can really rely on that kind of week in week out um you know I think we even saw last year in in the semi-final against Chelsea there was an element of which Chelsea were just able to be a bit more savvy at points than Bayern across those two games and I think again you know looking at the draw with Benfica um, that again, you've got that same and some of their performances in the Frauen Bundesliga, that same, um, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just, yeah, not really being able to take your chances or, or to turn the tide when stuff isn't going your way. And I think in a competition like the Champions League, that is something you really have to have 
the ability to do. I mean, in many ways, you could point to Chelsea going to the final last year as a perfect example of it's not always about how well you play. It can just be about what you can grind out and can believe in. Um, so, you know, in, in some ways, I think the, the win over Leon would maybe have given them uh, a bit of that confidence. But I... I I don't feel as hot on them as as I was last year, basically. I think that's fair. Yeah, after last season, I think Bayern have not been the best, but they're still good that they can get by without being the best. If that makes sense, um, Abdullah, obviously Lyon, uh, a big big team of yours. Uh, Jesse's a little jealous um, for having another team. No, I'm kidding. Um, Abdullah, how do, how do you see Lyon this year? All right, time to start. I've been waiting for this moment for a few weeks now. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, no, I, I, I've been I've been thoroughly impressed, um, you know, with them so far. I think Sonia Bompasur has come in and I really think she's, I, I want to say the word transformed the way Leon have been. I think after, a, in, in by their standards, a disastrous year under Jean-Luc Vasseur, an obvious pod favorite that we have here. Um I think he I think I think she's come in and really changed the the way the team play. I, I think that you know I from an outside perspective I feel like even the culture has changed the way the players are in the dressing room. Uh, I feel like there's a lot more unity there. Just everybody seems to be on the same page and I, and I feel like she's she's brought in an identity to the side. And I feel like that is something that I I've, I've seen the most on the pitch. Um with them there's this clear way of playing they know what they want what they have to do and yes obviously there are teething problems and there will be that obviously they, they lost the game against Barnes. So obviously Akaku, my guy scored you know maybe, maybe the old uh, Leon would have just won that game again two three nil as well but I think we saw against you know saw against them in the, in the game that they did beat Bayern that you know they 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 really got that way they really got a good win over there and um and, and and the funny thing is, and the best thing is, they managed to do most of the good work without Otto Hegerberg. They built a system that was that was that worked without Hegerberg, and now it, it equally works with Hegerberg coming in, which I think is is great uh, foresight, and I think it's it's great vision from 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 Sonia that she was able to say, all right, how can I get the scene to play? without my star best striker and then how can I make everybody else look good and I think the um overall I think I think I think it's it's worked out well and I, I feel like they should progress through the next round uh against Juve while I think Juve are very very good I think Leon have the have the quality to go through and and you know this could be that year where they where we see them back in the final and then you know the narrative of Barcelona versus uh Leon could come back um but you know, and uh, but I think the biggest thing, and I think you're probably gonna you're gonna bring this up next. But their young players have stepped up big time. Macario finally settling in. Salma Bash has had the breakout, you know, breakout season finally. Uh, I, I've been I've been waiting to see that, and uh, you know, Millard's been been really really w- doing really really well. So there's just so many players there that are just standing out. Everything's kind of coming into the right place, and so I'm I'm extremely I'm sure you're happy and excited to see them. Yeah, it's gonna be, I think. It's interesting with, with Lyon because there's a few players that you don't expect to be so good for them, if that makes sense. Like a player like Daniela van der Donk, who's obviously out injured, but there's there's certain players like that that you know are good, but didn't expect them to be that good for Lyon, if that makes sense. But Jesse, a lot of young players in Lyon, um, obviously there's Melvin Banlar, uh, Katarina Macario has been doing really well, amongst others. Who has been your standout, if you do have one? 
Yeah, I think for me, it, it will be Macario. I think I've been heavily influenced by the Diaspora United podcast because they're always raving about her and posting all her clips. So she's probably the player, the Leon player, I feel like I see see the most. Um, but yeah, I, I think her move there was really bold. And I think it has really paid off for her. I feel like she feels like she's settled well into this team and I think you know there are there are points where particularly before Hegerberg came back where it felt like you know she was bringing like a bit of confidence and swagger that maybe is something that Leon like had lost a little bit last season um with kind of the sheen coming off but also generally Alex just to pick up on what you said I think they have signed really well and kind of like quite quietly there's not been like lots of it doesn't feel like there's been like loads of really big name signings, but it feels like lots of players who um, are actually performing at a high level or have a lot of potential, but who who go really well into into Leon's system. Um, and I think they've definitely got one of the most like interesting squads. I think of of all the the European teams in terms of that balance between um, kind of youth and and experience. And obviously it will be interesting to see what's happening with the players who went to OL Reign, who are now back at the end of the NWSL season. I'm not really sure. Maybe Abdullah can talk about like how and whether those players will be reintegrated. But I think that's going to be um, interesting as well. Yeah, and... Abdullah, we'll, we'll go to one last question before we get to a quick quarterfinal preview. We've seen Bayern a bit. A bit. Um, they have a bit to improve on. We mentioned it briefly already, but their talent is amazing. But from what you've seen and from what you know they can do, what could see, what could be their, their downfall perhaps in these knockout stages? I think... You know, it comes down to obviously consistency, but I think, you know, what we can, I think what we can learn from that game against Benfica was they just didn't take their chances. I mean, they, they, they have all this attacking talent. They have all of these amazing, you know, players, you know, we've, we've talked about Cindy Lohman before and, and, and all these other players, you know, Leah Schuller and, and, and all that. And obviously they picked up Saki Kumagai. So they've got some really talented players a really good core set of players. Dina Magul is obviously a fantastic player. Hannah Glass and all that. Julia Gwynn, another another fantastic one. I just think it's just about taking those chances and just being consistent in those big moments. And I think while Benfica was a game that they obviously should have won and they were expected to win, they the fact that they drew, I think, is is comes down to probably again, like I said, not taking their chances and maybe just a little bit of concentration, just having to to to, to go in and really just finish the job and. Um, I think that'll be super important because if you don't take your chances against a PSG side who are obviously uh, a much higher quality team, it's it's going to be tough because they, that front three will punish you. And I think them keeping that concentration against that that front three, you know, uh, they have, I think will be will be super super important. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens, and I'm also really looking forward to the Frauen Bundesliga in general. I think it should be a tasty title. Contention, perhaps, maybe we're jinxing it way too soon. But we'll go on to briefly discuss the quarterfinal draws. Uh, we have Bayern, PSG, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Arsenal, Wolfsburg, and I am missing one because I thought I wrote everything down and clearly I didn't. Um, Juventus, and, Leon. 
and Juventus Lyon. Yes, my brain did not work there. Um, so, well, that's what we have. Um, and then obviously Arsenal Wolfsburg, the winner of that goes on to play the winner of Real Madrid Barcelona. The winner of Juventus Lyon goes on to play the winner of Bayern Munich PSG. So not a bad lineup, um, a really bad lineup for Arsenal. So Jesse, if that makes you feel any better, does it maybe just a little bit? Um, yeah, so we'll go first one up, Bayern PSG. Uh, Abdullah, what's your prediction there? Ooh, it comes down to consistency on both sides, but um, oh, I think I've got to give PSG the slightest of edges, just the slightest of edges. Jesse? Yeah, this one I really feel like could go either way, but I do, I think I would go with PSG as well. Um, I just think they've got a bit more grit to them. I think I do have to agree also. I think, but I think Bayern will be their own downfall there and PSG are going to be a bit too much on the attack maybe. Um, but Juventus, Lyon, Abdullah, do I even have to ask you who you think is going to win? No, I, I really think it's an obvious answer. Obviously, Juve are going to know Leon for me all day. I think they'll have a little bit too much for uh, Juve. Though I do think, I will put a caveat in here, I think they'll be very close games. But I think Leon should be able to come through uh, you know, uh, pretty, pretty comfortably overall in the two ties. Jesse, do you think it'll be a comfortable win for Leon? Yeah, I think if this was like a one-legged thing, I would maybe give like Juve a chance to surprise some people. But I just think over two two legs, Leon will have too much for uh, Juve. I think that's fair. Um, I probably have to agree with that. Um, Real Madrid, Barcelona. Um, I think we can agree on who's going to come up winners. I do we need to ask you, Alex? No, probably not. <laughs> Though I do think, I mean, to be fair, the last, the last league game, league game between both of them. It only came out 3-1 for Barcelona. Um, so I think Real Madrid could actually run them maybe a bit closer than a lot of people expect from them. I think mostly just because of it's a very familiar rival that they're used to playing against and have that extra kind of push to beat them, if that makes sense. But uh, Abdullah, is it going to be easy or I don't know, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think realistically, I think it should be an easy win for Barcelona. I don't see how they uh, how they can you know how they how they keep it a close game. I think you know um, it's it's it, I think it'll be good. It'll be comfortable for Barcelona. As much as I want, I, I'd like Real Madrid to make it a very very close game. I think Barcelona should run away with it. Jesse, yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I do think you know the Real Madrid no Barcelona better than the other teams angle is kind of an interesting one but I just don't think Real Madrid are close enough in quality to Barcelona for for it actually to be true to to play out in that way um yeah I think Barcelona will win this easily I think that's fair I have yeah I'll probably agree with that um lastly Arsenal Wolfsburg Abdullah you know, I want to get. I think I want to give it to Wolfsburg just because of the way they they played against Chelsea. I think they'll take they'll take so much heart and they'll take so much confidence from that game that I. And okay, obviously games are three or four months later down the line, so we can't take current form in, in, in and just as if copy paste it into into March. But I think Wolfsburg will take a lot of heart from that game against Chelsea, knowing that they can beat good quality English opposition or generally good quality opposition by such a big margin, you know. Um, 
like Alex referenced, uh, sorry, like Jesse referenced earlier, Alex Pop will be back by that point as well. Don't need strength in their midfield. So I think I think Wolfsburg, I think Wolfsburg will, will edge that, and I think they'll I think they'll go through. Jesse, yeah, catch me at um, Meadow Park with my Jill Rod Wolfsburg shirt and my Shanice van der Sanden haircut. Um, I really don't know about this at all because I think both teams are patchy. Um, I think it's really tricky because if Arsenal play like they did at the start of the season, I think Arsenal win. And if Arsenal play like they do now, I think Wolfsburg win. Um, yeah, Pop obviously coming back is a big benefit for Wolfsburg. Um, Paulina Bremer seems to be fit again as well. So it'll be interesting to see whether she can get some more game time. And there's Eva Payor, who I don't know whether she'll be back, but Wolfsburg have a lot of players. So they've come through this group like when they haven't been in a very good situation. So I definitely think both teams will improve, but I also think this one this one will be quite close. I just wonder if Wolfsburg's superior Champions League experience will kind of get them over the line here. I think for me, and I think this is mainly an Arsenal fan perspective, from what I see is that Wolfsburg have a better mentality of getting shit done, whereas Arsenal have very... They're kind of like the chaotic children of like women's football, I think. Um, and it can easily get messed up, if that makes sense. I don't know. If you don't know, like the Arsenal, I think it's more personality-wise. I think Germany are a bit more drilled in, as we saw against, you know, that game against Chelsea. You know, Wolfsburg came out to get the deed done. And I don't know if Arsenal have that same mentality. Uh, they do, but I don't know if it's going to be as drilled and kind of strict as the German opposition would be. But that concludes our Women's Champions League episode. Again, apologies, this took way too long to record, but you can keep up to date uh, with all our episodes at BoxBoxWSL on Twitter. And we'll see you in the new year. Um, this is quite sad, uh, none until the new year. Um, I think Jesse appreciates that little break from football. Um, but enjoy your holidays, everyone. Enjoy the breaks. And we'll see you in the new year for more WCL and Women's Champions League content. Uh, thank you again. And see you soon, everyone. Bye-bye. See you later.